Sunderland Daily Echo and Shippen Gazette. Wednesday, July the 29th, 1914. Britain as a world power would be as nothing if a race of shipbuilders were to die. Failing in France. Calm and prepared. The news of the declaration of war has been received here with comparative calm. Though the as an artist and a filmmaker, first and foremost, you want to make work that speaks to people somehow. I'm so interested in people's history and connecting with lives from the past and how they resonate now. And that is hopefully what the project has done. And that's what I got into this crazy, very difficult business for, to connect with people. And also the value of history. What can we learn from history? You know, history is now. It's always now. This is Professor Esther Johnson, an artist and filmmaker. Her film, Asunder, is all about Sunderland in the First World War. The finest shipyards, the finest football clubs, the finest music halls. Then, all of a sudden, the world began to roar. It's a poetic narrative text that interweaves these stories, different perspectives of that time of the war. But Asunder focuses on the people who remained at home. The women, the children, and the untold stories of people in the northeast. With so many men away fighting, the nation needed its women to go to work. Lizzie Holmes, born in the pit village of Horden, was an orphan. She left school a year early at 13 and got herself a job at the ropery in Hebben. She then lost it for beating up an older lad. At school, Lizzie had fancied a local boy, Jimmy Holmes. She got his name tattooed on her arm when she was 14. They were married in 1913 and he was now away fighting. She took a job working in the coke ovens in Horden, rough and ready and happy to shift hundredweight bags. She had to wear long sleeves to cover her tattoos, but she was the only woman in Horden to wear trousers. I'm Betty Ball, and this is Speak Up Sunderland. Did I see a cat before in the shop? Did I have a Bengal? She's I called thought- Nickers. She's called Knickers. Yep. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yep, she wants to be yeah, Bengals are gorgeous, aren't they? Well, all cats are gorgeous. All cats are beautiful. We shouldn't discriminate. <laughs> well, well, hello, Esther. Nice to meet you. Thank you for being with us today. Very excited. So asunder means apart. So how was the experience of creating a film about World War One? Amazing. It was an amazing experience and I just learned so much and learned so many things about that period as well that just really surprised me. The war was a war like no other. It was fought in a way that had never been fought before, largely from the air. So with the Sunday, I really wanted to find things that were surprising and that you might not expect about stories, but also footage that you might not expect to see of that period i really tried to find footage that was shot from the air so you can see like the the film opens up from the air and all of these um shots from airplanes 
and the stories as well. Women in the workplace, women footballers, so amazing time changes for women. Women's role in society was changing. Bella Ray was not in the suffrage movement, but she made her own mark. In 1916, she was working on the South Docks in Blythe, unloading boxes of empty shell cases and loading ships with fresh ammunition destined for the front. It was hard physical work in a very male environment. But she played football with the other munitionettes on the sands near the Blythe Battery. On past imposing rock scenery and sandy inlets, which make up one of the loneliest and loveliest stretches of the Northumberland coast. It was very much about mining and finding surprising elements and about trying to find moments of magic in the horror. So where would you even start of finding these gems of history? In terms of finding stories in Sunderland, the first place I actually went to was Sunderland Antiquarians, which is fab, which is the sort of, you know, amazing small little cave of curiosities that's led by amazing, passionate, informative, enthusiastic volunteers, but also the sort of place where you can have a cup of tea right next to some really amazingly precious treasure and you're a bit like, ah! (laughs) So so that was kind of a first port of call, um, trying to look at really local gems of stories and also things that might not be collected in large archives which I'm very interested archives I love archives get me in an archive and it is like being in a sweet shop for me I just find it so inspiring and amazing and it's really about trying to find those gems those things that I wouldn't have expected of that time and that aren't largely written in the history books I'm really interested in social history in people's history the small detailed stories that actually say something about the bigger picture in quite a profound way that we can relate to on a very human basis. An amusing incident was related at Scarborough Police Court yesterday. Two picture house proprietors were summoned for admitting children under 14 without attendance. A lady cashier said she was in charge of a box when a certain jockey went into it and she asked if he was under 14. The jockey replied that he was a married man with children. The sort of heart of a Sunday was also about getting stories of the home front. Yesterday was the last day of a testing for single men under Lord Derby's scheme. There was no rush. At present, the number of those outstanding is not known. They will, however, all be called up. Again, stories that might not have been focused on. And I really wanted to create a film of World War One that I hadn't seen that incorporated those home front stories with some of the Western front stories. I did have areas that I wanted to find out more about. Women in the workplace being one, conscientious objectors being another, the women footballers, which I'd read about and really wanted to find out more about. There was an amazing story of George Thompson who kind of mirrors the war horse story and that was something I'd read a little bit about and and wanted to find out a lot more about. He loved his horses. He pitied them out in all weathers, often up to their hocks in mud. One night, given the order to put on gas masks, 
George made sure the horses had their special masks too. Animals played a huge role in the war machine, over a million horses as army mounts and pulling guns, pigeons carrying messages, glowworms to help map reading in the trenches. I wanted to incorporate something about animals in the war and how prescient and important their animals were to conflict, you know, homing pigeons, all sorts of things that hadn't really been explored to the extent that they had in warfare in World War One. And horses were so, so important to the war. And after the war, so many were slaughtered. That's another story we don't hear about. A lot of them were just slaughtered in France instead of being brought back. Such um, a shame. It, it is yeah. such a Oh, you're going to make us cry. I know. <laughs> Honestly, so many people have told me that they do cry at this section. Well, um, that's what the purple poppy's for, isn't it? Yeah. You see them in the shops to remember the, the animals. animals. That's right, yeah. So it was like stories that surprised me, but also touched me very deeply. I wanted to try and find a collection of stories that kind of knitted together, but also told very different experiences of the war I wanted to try and find footage from the air there's some incredible footage that's flying over the trenches that look like castellations on the top of a castle or like a zip these amazing kind of scars of the landscape and the sort of reverie or poetry is horror but it's also something quite poetic about seeing that battlefield from very different points of view. So you've now created the, I would say, the backbone of a Sunday. You know what you would like to see. And you've incorporated lots of forms of media. You've got music in there. And you were working with people like the Royal Northern Symphonia, the Cornshed Sisters, Field Music and Warm Digits. These people are so unique. Talk me through this. Why did you get these people? And how important is it to piece music with history? The collaboration was with Field Music, Warm Digits, right from the beginning. And we knew that they would be going to perform with the Royal Northern Symphonia as well. Had meetings with the bands right at the beginning. And it was kind of an iterative process, that collaboration. As I was finding stories, narratives, as well as archive footage and images as inspiration... I shared all of that material online to the band so that they could keep track of what kind of things I was looking at and what sort of atmospheres those things might evoke, even sound clips and music of the period. And we did decide early on that we would avoid brass within the the soundtrack. Again, very much unexpected trope of war and it was always about trying to get away from those tropes and try to find another way of understanding the war another way of presenting these stories and and a way I think that was hopefully more human it was very much a a ping-ponging really back forth back forth and then it all came together (laughs) and then um and, and and but yay I was really keen on having a song somewhere and did a lot of research on traditional music and came across this wonderful folk song, The Rigs of Sunderland, which actually is a folk song at the time that was used in cities all over the country and they just changed the name of the city and the references 
Welcome here, you brave lasses, and listen a while. For some new and fairy, I'll make you all smile. And when the bright sun begins to shine, to sunder and fair, then we will all incline. Come, let us away without more delay. To sunder and fair, lasses, let us away. Each lad brings his favourite lass to the fair. He'll buy her a fairy when she gets down there. Open up your bosoms and bring them all round. Among the brave lasses of Sunderland town. Come, let us away without more delay. To Sunderland fair, lasses, let us away. Kind of a camaraderie, um, really, isn't it? Yeah, Everyone's yeah. United. So it's it's of, lovely. Yeah, and and the song is essentially about home or longing for home. The film was all about commemorating the hundred years of the Battle of the Somme, one of the most horrific battles of the war, and Sunderland and the Northeast's place or experience of that battle. We asked the Corn Shed, the delightful Corn Shed sisters, to do an a cappella arrangement of that, which, when the film was premiered at the Sunderland Empire and later at the Barbican, that's kind of a central, sort of a key point halfway through the film, which leads to a sequence that is focused on the Battle of the Somme. Now is the time for to finish our song. May old England flourish before very long We are drinking and singing in a day that is rare When we go with our sailors to Sunderland Fair Come let us away without more delay To Sunderland Fair, lasses, let us Robert Heppel went into action on the first day of the song. A beautiful summer's day. Lark song overhead and a covey of partridges passing the trench. By the end of that day, more than half of Robert Heppel's battalion had been killed, wounded or were missing in action. Almost 600 men. Stories of divine intervention faded after that first day on the song. 20,000 men were killed on that day. It is largely archive film. There's clips from 96 different archive films, but there are these sequences throughout the film of contemporary footage of Sunderland and the North East. For instance, we see the streets where Lizzie Horden lived. And then there's another sequence that's centred on the remnants of war, whether that be the Fulwell sound mirror that's still there. Again, another example of fascinating technology that was developed in World War One, an early warning system, essentially. And also the battery in Roker. So we have contemporary sections and at the end of the film we hear about each different character where their life went after the war 
So one of the things that was so lovely about the project was connecting with people now and how it resonated to them now, their story, their family's unique story. Also from screenings, I mean, it's been wonderful taking this film out to both cinema screenings and community screenings. And for many of those, I've also been present for a Q&A at the end. And we've had lovely, amazing discussions with the audience about the film and about how it connects to their own family histories of World War One. It's felt like it's really made people think about their own connection to the war, which has been beautiful. In June 1915, Robert Heppel, the shipyard worker, had volunteered. He was shipped out to Ireland for initial training, where he met and in August married a 16-year-old Londonderry girl, Rosina McGilloway. By November, he was heading for Gallipoli. They never saw each other again. One of the most beautiful things about this project has been, during the research, I sought out as many living relatives of some of the storylines as I could find. Again, to try and get another perspective of that person, that particular narrative storyline, how did their experience affect the family, you know, up until this day? And there is a thread in the film, hopefully, that brings the experience of that war or the repercussions, the sort of echoes of that war to now. How Sunderland and the North East, you know, there is still remnants of the war. Conscientious objectors were few and unpopular with the public. And he thought long and hard about what he should do. I think there's something about living memory of war, isn't there? And the, the old generation, there's a very direct connection that it was either their parents or their grandparents that was a, an amazing, beautiful thing from the project. In July 2017, I was invited over to Ypres, to Flanders Fields, to say a few words at a centenary commemorative event for Robert Hope who is, of course, the young 19-year-old lad who was shot at dawn that's featured in the film. So I went over there. I took my dad with me. Now my great-grandfather died in Ypres on Valentine's Day. He was blowing up, basically. He was undermined. Where the word undermined comes from, so blowing up. And my grandfather had never met his father, he was away at war and then he was killed. And my dad had always wanted to take my granddad to see his grave, but never got round to it. I really wanted to take my dad with me. And as well as the Robert Hope event, which was just so moving and it was an honour to be asked to say a few words, there's a group called Friends of Flanders Fields and they have an incredible archive and museum and they helped me find great-grandfather's grave and I managed to organise a little paper. We had a paper as a surprise for my dad and took my dad. And that was just wonderful. So there was a direct connection there from the project to my own family. And, you know, I always remember as a kid, Remembrance Day, my dad, it just, that is the, the kind of one day of the year you really see him break down. You'll see him welling up and trying to, you know, fight it. And I think, yeah, when it's in living memory, it just very much have that effect on people. Are you crying? Please don't cry. 
No, no, I'm not crying. Oh, no, I'm not crying. I looked like you were crying. I am, I am a little watery eye. Oh. Oh, bless. Oh, God, you'll make me cry if you cry. Please don't cry. <laughs> All right, so your narrators, you have Just, the wonderful so- Kate A.D. and Alan Armstrong. How do you Yay. feel? So, yeah, we approached Kate A.D. and Alan Armstrong, who both fantastically accepted the invitation. And Kate and Alan both grew up in Sunderland and the North East, so they're familiar with that location and history. Kate obviously has her amazing war correspondent career. But aside from that, she's also a bit of an expert on World War One. She's written a wonderful book about women in World War One. How it works in the film is Kate is the voice of the people's narratives, which has a little bit of historical, contextual information around that. In August 1916, in a sea of mud, a German gas attack killed almost 90 of his unit. In October, he and the remaining survivors were ordered back to the front line, back to the Somme. his hand shaking, his mind shaking. By the time his company had reached the front, Robert Heppel, shell-shocked and exhausted, was no longer with them. With actual sections of text that are taken from the Sunderland Daily Echo and Shipping Gazette, God, I looked at hundreds, hundreds of newspapers from that period, and Alan Armstrong recites some sections from the period... On the morning of January the 8th, there will be a total eclipse of the moon. The moon enters the penumbra at 4.36am, the shadow at 5.30am. And that's then mixed with newspaper accounts of the time, not just the Sunderland Daily Echo and Shipping Set, but also other papers. It's revealing as much about what's not reported, what we now know happened on particular days. There's kind of some really odd odd stories Could you tell us any about things going on well there's this there's this odd story where he's talking about the the largest black egg that's been laid by, by a duck so that that's in the film just these odd like oddments <laughs> so have you learned anything from this experience of making a sunder because you've by the sounds of things you've went through every single emotion possible oh my god yeah absolutely i mean each project i make i do try to have an element of something i've not done before set myself a hard task and it's usually quite agonizing but i think that's how you learn that's how you learn and grow it's about putting yourself in scary situations to try and push yourself into a different way of thinking or a different way of working or that that's what i try to do Glutton for punishment. <laughs> if you could pinpoint one bit of Sunder that sticks out for you the most, what part would it be? In terms of footage that really, really touches me. And when I came across it, I was like, wow. I came across this beautiful clip of footage of soldiers just messing around, having a lark, obviously at the weekend or their downtime, and they're on a farm. 
And you just see these group of lads just messing around with each other. You know, there's one where a lad is hugging two little baby goats. And there's another one where one of them's in some armour and and his mate is like trying to attack him with a spade. And just, just really human, messing around, joyful moment. Again, like I said earlier, the magic within the horror. And those are the gems. Those are the things that... I was trying to find those lads, you know. Lizzie Holmes went on working and must have laughed as slowly other women in Horton, in Sunderland and the rest of the country began wearing trousers. She watched the men returning home like sunlit ghosts, as if it were just a passing dream. Altogether, you've painted a wonderful, a wonderful insight into something so historical and monumental. And thank you very much for giving us that. You and are one have... fascinating human. I would oh, love oh, to see what's in your brain, how this works. This is incredible. Oh, I don't know if you would, Beth. <laughs> You'd probably like, ah! <laughs> Try me. I've, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Thank you oh, so much as well. Wonderful. Thanks for asking me. It's been You're wonderful. Welcome. Normally I'm at work from 7am. So being in lockdown, I have this absolute pleasure of spending my time learning from such wonderful people. I love oh. this job. Yeah, <laughs> well, this this is what we do. We do it all, don't we, to, to learn and hopefully, you know, reach out. And it's great to connect with those that your work touches in some way. Lovely to meet you, Esther. Stay safe. And you too. And, and you. Uh, good luck. Kisses to Kat. <laughs> I'll give Nick as a kiss for you, don't worry. <laughs> see you later. Bye, guys. I'll see Nick as yeah. <laughs> 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 Bye. Bye, Beth. Bye. Take care. <laughs> That's the best cat name. To find out more about the Sunday, you can find the links in our show notes or follow us at Speak Up Sun on Twitter and Facebook. I'm Betty Ball. Thanks for listening to Speak Up Sunderland. Tra hun! <laughs>